Minnesota Vikings absolutely played a preseason game, which technically, as I'm starting the show, is still going on. But it's the fourth quarter of a preseason game, and that's all I need to say about that, right? Plus, it's really late at night, and I thought a lot of you would want to get your opinions out there, and I wanted to start the discussion since we saw a lot tonight. So I will be, of course, keeping an eye on anything that happens in the fourth quarter, but usually it's the fourth quarter of a preseason game. But there actually is a lot to take away from tonight's game. And as we led up to the Vikings preseason, one of my big kind of sticking points was I think that this preseason is actually going to have something in store for us. And you know what? It did tonight. And I think the biggest surprise started right off the bat. I've got a bunch of takeaways that I've written down that I'm going to post on the screen. Also, you guys are already lighting up the comment sections, including um, some pretty bad special teams play tonight. Uh, did the Vikings hire Marwin Maloof back, uh, their special teams coordinator from a few years ago where it was pretty tough. Um, so I'll definitely be responding to all your guys' takeaways as we go through. Uh, yeah, we all just watched at the end of the third quarter, Andrew Booth Jr. get beat for a touchdown. Lewis Seen was on the field quite a bit tonight. There's a lot to talk about from the 2022 and the 2023 class, which gets to include its undrafted free agents who are really some of the stars of the show tonight. So I want to start off with who played and who didn't, which is always one of the biggest subjects when it comes to the preseason. And so, you know, they go out there, the offensive line. All right. I see Ole Udo, Austin Schlotman. Oh, this looks like the backup offensive line. Wait, Ed Ingram was in and a first preseason game with no one else, which is an interesting development. Now, I want to leave the door open to potentially the reason he was playing is just that they don't have a lot of depth at guard at the moment. I mean, when you look at, Chris Reed was supposed to be their backup guard and he has not practiced at all yet so far throughout the preseason. So who else do you have that you would want to put out there with even the second group? Now that could be their explanation, but I think we can look a little bit farther into this one and say, all right, I think I know why Dalton Reisner was here and that they want Ed Ingram to get more and more reps and also potentially want to evaluate whether they need to figure something else out at guard based on what they've seen. I I don't know of any other way to read that. I'm trying not to overreact to one guy playing a handful of reps, but when nobody else plays and it's just you, we talked about this the other night that if somebody plays that you don't expect, something is almost always kind of up there. I don't think it was just a, Oh man, we're out of guards. Ed, can you just like suit up? Uh, You're all good, though. Uh, I think they want to see more from Ed Ingram, more game reps after a really tough year last year. And so far in training camp, I'm honest with this uh, about this with you guys that I have a tough time evaluating. Is this offensive lineman playing well? Is that unless they're getting absolutely demolished? But 
if the coaching staff feels like they haven't seen what they wanted to see from Ed Ingram, well, this would be your kind of response, which would be to send a message by making him dress. Well, almost nobody else did on the entire team that were the starters and on the offense. Nobody did. If you consider Jordan Addison, not a starter at this moment, still wide receiver three, right? So uh, other than Jordan Addison, Nobody else who was a starter was in the game except for Ed Ingram. I think that's a little bit of flashing red lights around that. Uh, also, on the defensive side, we saw the safety start. We saw Cam Bynum. We saw Josh Metellus get out there quite a bit. Lewis Seen played a ton in this game. And I will say that uh, as much as Lewis Seen has been sort of bludgeoned with, hey, why aren't you starting? You were a first-round pick. For him to get a tackle right off the bat, against Jackson Smith, the Jigba was a good thing. And also is just great considering what he's coming back from the injury. Like we do have to keep in mind the injury that he came back from. It could have been career altering, you know, maybe not career ending for a guy that young, but definitely altering. And for him to work his way back, get back in a game, tackle a guy like that's good. But the rest of it, I didn't think was all that good from Lewis scene. Uh, when you have a guy out there who is a first round draft pick that runs sub four, four playing against a bunch of backups, you expect them to be flying around and making plays. And there's still this sort of lack of urgency or just kind of a delay in him accelerating to the football. And it was especially shown uh, in the second quarter, middle of the second quarter where Seattle ran this kind of obvious Gary Kubiak classic like play action where there's a receiver coming deep over the middle of the field and Lewis scene just didn't identify it. And the guy was wide open and ended up with a huge gain. And the, the broadcast actually gave a great view from behind where you could see him dropping, dropping, just not really knowing where to be and then running right in front of him. So I, I didn't think overall outside of that first tackle that it was an impressive night for Lewis scene. We saw only a little bit of Cam Bynum, only a little bit of Josh Metellus, not, not much else, but those guys were in the game. Uh, Makai Blackman played a lot in the slot. I thought that he had some ups and downs, really good coverage snap early when he got targeted, but then giving up the touchdown and committing a penalty, not exactly great uh, for Makai Blackman, but it was hard to get too many guys with targets because it, it seemed like early in the game, Drew Locke was just checking down and throwing short all the time. So it's not like we had five or six or seven plays to work with. I'll be curious to look back and maybe focus a little more when I look at the replay of the game on where Makai Blackman lined up. Mostly it seemed like it was a lot in the slot, which is interesting uh, because uh, I, I mean, he's vying for that outside corner position, um, but you know, they've got other guys also mixing into the outside corner spots as well. So I, I'll have to double check that, but he did give up a very notable and obvious touchdown in the game. Kyrus Tonga and a Caleb Evans were the only guys who were starters outside of Bynum that played on the defensive side. Uh, Jordan Addison, I mentioned, played. Nick Mullins took the entire first half. Jaron Hall coming in in the second half. And it was a pretty tough start for Jaron Hall. Kind of what I expected based on what we've seen in training camp. I, I think when you have rookies, they're just slow to see and react to what they need to see and react to. You need to play with a ton of anticipation as a rookie. And you just did not see that right away. 
Um, so, you know, that's no surprise. And, and what you're looking for is just him to make progress throughout this preseason. Everybody knows Jaron Hall is not going to be ahead of Nick Mullins. We saw why Nick Mullins looks like a competent quarterback who could get the ball to people. It's not beautiful, but it is what it is, right? Uh, it looked better than Sean Mannion or Kellen Mond last year. You can actually evaluate your wide receivers when you have Nick Mullins. So better to let Jaron Hall play the back end of these games and just get a little bit of work. Uh, Ivan Pace want to talk a lot about him. He played a ton the entire first half, even into the second half. And uh, Kenny Wongwu and Brian Asamoah, not great for either one of them as they battle for a position that they were not able to play. So that's kind of the rundown of who played and who didn't. Uh, let me just run through quickly some of my other reactions, and then I'll get to all of yours. I'll scroll back up in the comments, I promise. Uh, I thought Jordan Addison he was only targeted a couple times. One of them, it was a catch. It's a highlight reel catch. You can show it on ESPN and NFL Network as a catch because it was a catch. And it was very Chris Carter-like in its catchiness. He had the toes down, flying out of bounds, the kind of matrix type of catches that he's made over the first couple of weeks of training camp. And I feel like every night I've kind of come on here and I've sort of said like, Hey, there's something going on with Addison. I mean, he's just really making these great catches. He's kind of got this unique skill that I'm struggling to define, but it's natural and he's making a lot of plays and for him to do it right off the bat. I kind of wanted to say to all of you, like, there it is. That's what I was talking about. That's the thing. That's the type of play. And uh, so he made that. And then he had a nice catch on kind of a wobbly uh, Nick Mullins throw over the middle where he had to go and slide down. And so I thought it was a good night for Jordan Addison. He did not get hurt. That makes it a really good night. And he looked to me like he played very, very well. Uh, in terms of running routes, getting open, only a couple series, but exactly what you wanted to see. You wanted to see a little bit of flash of what Jordan Addison has, and you also wanted him to stay completely healthy. Uh, Ty Chandler got a ton of work. Let me pull it up. I got the box score. 11 carries, 41 yards, and I don't think that was reflective of how well he played. Uh, we'll get to it in a minute, but I didn't think it was the greatest night for the offensive line, those backup offensive linemen, and there were a few runs that were blown up right away. But what you see from Ty Chandler is the motor goes 0-60 to 60 very, very quickly. It's like he gets the ball and just is jolting. And uh, I thought you saw that there was one play early in the game where there was a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of the, the oceans parting for him. And he just shot right up the middle. And then another one where Josh Oliver did a terrific job of sealing the edge. And it was kind of a one-on-one -on -one for Ty Chandler. He put on a little bit of a hesitation and then got to the uh, sideline for a pretty big gain. I think that we know that Ty Chandler can run. It's the other stuff that the coaching staff has questions about, but it was a really good debut running wise. I think he did better than what his numbers suggest. Um, you know, just overall didn't have a big, huge breakout run or something, but ran tough, ran into people. I think he showed that he wants to compete for this job tonight. Uh, Nick Muse Moss, the guy just straight up, just Randy Mossed someone in the end zone. Nick Muse, tight end four. If you missed this, if you were like, doing anything with your life and not watching the preseason game. And you just tuned in to see what I thought. I thought Nick Muse made one of the most ridiculous preseason catches I've ever seen. I mean, he just straight jumped over a guy and brought the ball down. I think there's something there with Nick Muse, like a little bit. 
He's made some plays in training camp. I think he can play a little. Uh, it's good to have a developmental tight end. The Vikings have actually been kind of great with these. Ty Conklin, you know, even Michael Pruitt's still around there somewhere. They've just they've done well with picking late tight ends and making them into something. More likely than not, Nick Muse ends up on the practice squad again, but maybe there's like a next year for him. Not that I'm trying to make too much of this one great catch, but he's still here after being drafted last year in the seventh round. He's out there fairly early in the game after a couple of series from Josh Oliver and Johnny Munt was mixed in as well. I would expect Johnny Munt to have that job and Nick Muse to be on the practice squad, but uh, but good for him. Again, Lewis Seen played a ton of snaps. It just hasn't ever been there to the point where you say, oh, wow, there's Lewis Seen making plays. And in this case, you really just have to see playmaking with Lewis Seen in order to believe it. He had the interception in camp. They didn't even have pads on that day, but it was a nice play. And we got a little bit excited about it. We started talking about it. Uh, his teammates got excited about it. And coaches have been saying that he's taking more professional approach and things like that. But I always kind of go, wait a minute. So that you mean last year, he wasn't taking this professional approach. It's hard for everybody. It's especially hard when there's pressure as the first round pick to step in. And then when you have other good players like Bynum and Metellus, it's not a situation where you're going to step right in for him, or you're going to have to actually be quite good to do that. But if you were looking for that big step, we still haven't seen it yet. And uh, I didn't think we did tonight outside of one good tackle. Uh, I liked Ivan Pace Jr.'s game a ton. I mean, he was all over the place. The guy was making tackles left and right. Uh, There was one play in particular where he just slammed into a guard and you saw like the power of this guy where he he just took on a guard one-on-one, slammed him back and then made a tackle. Uh, He got a pressure up the middle on a screen play. He was running down running backs from behind. Very good night for Ivan Pace. While Brian Asamoah didn't play, Ivan Pace Jr. had a pretty darn good game from uh, my eye. And again, you know, we'll always go back and look at these things. We'll see what PFF says. We'll review it again. And so some takes are subjective to, are subject to change when we're trying to do it right, you know, right off the bat. But I thought that Ivan Pace showed exactly why he's been getting all those first team reps. The guy just plays kind of like a little Wolverine out there. I mean, he just is very aggressive and violent and physical, and he is got strength, even though he is undersized. So uh, was impressed with his game and we'll see where this takes him. But if he needed sort of that first step to show them, yeah, I deserve more of those first team reps. I thought that he did it tonight. Uh, How about Najee Thompson? Did you guys know about Najee Thompson? I knew about Najee Thompson, sort of. I mean, he's made a couple plays in camp, but special teams are the hardest thing to see in training camp because they can't really run them. They can't tackle people. Uh, But he made a tremendous play on the punt return, just shot by his guy, made a tackle. And we have seen... Players in the past make the team. Uh, Dan Jacena was one of them. Uh, Chris Boyd stayed on the team for a while. Just based on being great on special teams, even Josh Metellus was able to develop 
over a couple of years. So again, not trying to get too excited about one play, but Najee Thompson looks like a guy who has taken some pride in the reps that he's getting uh, on special teams and made a very nice play and had another one too. He was the first guy down on a Ryan Wright punt to stop the ball at the one yard line. So he was a guy that shine uh, another UDFA Jalen Williams had an interception. So it was a great night for the UDFAs. Andre Carter, for somebody who's been hurt and hasn't practiced a ton, sure got a lot of reps tonight. He got a lot of work. I don't see him as somebody who's really competing for a spot so much as he is just trying to get some work and, I, I mean, just develop. I, that's all you're really looking for from Andre Carter is develop. Uh, whether they could actually cut him and put him on the practice squad, I don't know because I think other teams would be interested. But he's a guy that I don't expect, If even if he's on the 53 because they don't want to lose him, I don't expect to see him getting action this year. But, you know, somebody to keep an eye on. I didn't have any noticeable plays from him where he really got after the quarterback or ran somebody down from behind. But just the fact he's out there, he's playing, he's healthy, and we'll be tracking it from here. And of course, my last note, kicking was good. Yeah, the kicking was fine. No problems with the kicking. A long field goal made by Greg Joseph. He made the extra point. He did what he was supposed to do. And there you go. So those are my main uh, notes for the evening. Now, let me um, go back to the comment section and uh, respond to what you guys are saying. Okay. So you guys have left a lot of comments. So let me just go all the way back up to the top and I'll work my way through uh, from Hunter Jordan's toe tap. That was called incomplete was a hell of nice uh, catch. It certainly was. Yeah. And that is again, when, if you go into this game and say, well, what did we want to see from Jordan Addison? Number one is just stay healthy. But number two was let's see you do something because you knew they were going to try to get him the ball a little bit. And he made a tremendous catch. It's too bad that it didn't count. But I think that anybody who saw it knows that it should have counted and knows that that is not a catch that is just easily and normally made like that takes an extra level of talent uh, from Danny. Ed Ingram looked lost out there. Uh, I'm going to have to look uh, back at the tape. Sorry to sound like a coach there at how he did, but I thought overall it was not a very nice evening for the offensive line. I mean, they, they gave up a lot of hits on Nick Mullins, a lot of pressures. There were a few runs that were completely blown up. Uh, I didn't think that Blake Brandle, and this is just first watching. I didn't think he looked very, uh, settled at guard, which is kind of out of position for him where he's been a tackle in the past. So yeah, it wasn't a very good night for the starting offensive line or the finger quote starting offensive line. Um, and that includes Ed Ingram and, you know, right off the bat, it was like, here's a pressure on Nick Mullins. And you know, that's not what you want to see. And remember last year, even when Ed Ingram gave up, I think it was a sack or, or a big, you know, run stop. Uh, early in the San Francisco preseason game where we went, Oh, is this going to be a problem? Because he just got really burned there and it did end up being a problem. Uh, Danny says, RIP the 2022 draft class. You know, um, I don't want to declare anything, but it's not a good situation. And it's funny to see the 2022 and 2023 draft classes 
like 2022 just continues to trend downward. Even just the fact that they're playing in the second half, like how many teams 2022 draft picks from the first and second round are playing in the third quarter of the first preseason game. My guess is not many, but there's Andrew Booth Jr. Getting smoked by some backup for Seattle. It's not, not what you were looking for uh, from, from him at all. And, you know, Ed Ingram's out there. A Caleb Evans did play. I expected him to play. He doesn't have a ton of experience in the NFL. He's kind of the saving grace of that draft class, but then you have the other side and Mikai Blackman did have that one bad play that gave up the touchdown, which does matter, but you know, Addison, and then you have these UDFAs who are making plays. So this is the NFL draft for you folks right on display of how sometimes it just doesn't go your way. And sometimes it does. From Alexander scene needs to be consistent. He needs to play in all likelihood. This is Harrison's last year. He's going to play next year. Maybe. I mean, it, Maybe it, I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves to next year for anything, but I mean, the way that Lewis scene looks right now is so hesitant and just not playing fast and loose and free at all. That to me is just not going to fly, whether it's next year, this year or he plays or he doesn't play or anything. It's not declaring it. It's if it looks like that, that's not going to start no matter what happens with Harrison Smith. It's got to get better. And he should play every snap of all the preseason games because he needs a lot of experience and they have to keep taking swings at it to see if it clicks at some point. But aside from that first tackle where he did look confident, you know, chasing after Jackson Smith and the Jigba, uh, after that, it was just not a lot of impact. Um, Sloth, did anyone see Jaqueline Roy? He was not at practice the other night, and I we don't know why because we haven't heard from Kevin O'Connell uh, recently to talk about the injuries or recently enough since we didn't see uh, Jaqueline Roy. So he must have gotten banged up um, at some point. So, yeah, I mean, not good because he was having a really good uh, training camp so far. So you hope that it isn't long-term because he was a guy, another guy from this draft class who was emerging, but didn't expect him to play. Same with uh, Brian Asamoah, who didn't practice the other night, uh, Kenny Wongwu either. These are all guys who kind of need to be out there and injured is injured, but you know, not, not great for them in, in kind of where they stand to um, miss some time here from Alexander positives pace and Addison look like the real deal. Josh Oliver shows that he destroys people. He definitely does. I mean, you see how big he is, uh, but he made some really good blocks and uh, Rager and Powell competed. Well, that is also in, uh, in my recap as well that I was writing during the game. Um, I thought that both Jalen Rager and Brandon Powell made plays notable that Rager was the first guy back to return punts. I, I don't, can't guarantee that that means he's ahead in that race, but um, they did trade for him last year to be a punt returner. I have liked a lot of what I've seen from Brandon Powell. And I thought you saw him on a couple plays, get open, make catches. They seem to be high on Brandon Powell as well. I think that's a real race. And those guys in every one of these preseason games are going to be out there and competing with each other. But Rager had a good night um, from seven dragons. Ivan pace looks like he belongs in the NFL. Totally agree. That's that is a great way to describe it is that he looks like he belongs in the NFL and it's hard. It's like you have to go farther to convince me when you are an undrafted free agent because 
And we just don't expect that the whole league passed on you. And then suddenly you look good and it could be an Audi Cole situation where the guy plays really well. Who's the other guy? Edmund Robinson had a moment like that, that happens. But when you talk about the skills that should continue to carry over, and it's not just preseason being kind of a little wrecking ball is Good. I, and I mean, I, I thought taking on the guards like he did in the run game, that's the biggest question. And he did it really well tonight uh, from Alexander McBride. Didn't do much to impress me tonight. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt the same way that you just didn't see a lot of that, like break tackle ability. Um, I don't know. You know, opportunity plays into that. He's not a kick returner. I think that that's quite obvious. I don't really know why he would be kick returning. You know, when, when, you're looking at kick returners. Usually it's somebody who's blazing fast and he is not blazing fast. So that's an interesting decision from them. I wonder why they decided to go with him. Maybe just to kind of see what was there, or maybe just to get the football in his hands a couple more times. That might've been why they decided to do it as well. I don't know, but yeah, he did not have a big breakout game to start. Didn't seem like there was a lot of opportunity there for him uh, with the blocking and so forth. Uh, Luigi Valane, another great night. Um, your spelling, Alex, uh, of Luigi Valane, not great, but um, he was good. He shows up in the preseason. He reminds me, the, the Vikings picked up a guy a couple years ago who always used to show up in the preseason. I forget uh, who was the guy's name. Gosh, there was a, it was an edge rusher who always showed up in the preseason, and they signed him, and he got into a couple of games, and there wasn't anything there, but... Uh, Luigi Villain always does show up. I thought Patrick Jones was good as well. That's a guy that you're watching for. Um, is uh, is Patrick Jones now pretty much every preseason game? Is he in an actual rotation to get opportunities or not? Because it seems like DJ Wanham is kind of locked up that spot uh, behind Marcus Davenport and behind um, you know uh, Daniil Hunter. Uh, let's see. might be a dumb question. I know the draft is random, but this year's class looks significantly better than last year's. How much of the previous regime's scouting staff was part of last year versus this year? Um, that's really hard to say who would have had what influence on what, um, you know, I, I mean, you can, I guess, try to talk yourself into, well, it was a Spielman draft because it was Spielman scouts. And that might be the case. I don't know. But Rick Spielman also drafted Justin Jefferson, uh, Christian Derrissaw, you know, Daniil Hunter, Stefan Diggs. Like he had a lot of great draft picks and a lot of bad draft picks along the way as well. And he, and also the scouting staff didn't trade down. That's another thing to keep in mind. The scouting staff it's not their job to figure out if Andrew Booth Jr.'s legs work or not. That I mean that so I don't want to give a free pass based on, well, those scouts from before, they were looking for something different. Now, I do think that this year, Quasi Adafalmenza took a better approach. One, when a really good player was on the board, Jordan Addison, he just took him. And he didn't trade down just to trade down because that's what you think you should do as the analytics GM. I don't know. Uh, but you know, the scouts would have had nothing to do with the trade value that they got back in that trade where they went down to get Lewis seen. And honestly, the scouts wouldn't have anything to do with you drafting bad positions. I mean, you know, linebacker guard, like these were not positions that uh, they necessarily should have been taking on a team that's competitively rebuilding. You're always looking for the high value positions and instead they're taking guards. I mean, you know, uh, not only taking, but reaching a lot. 
So I think we need to look at the guy whose names are on the picks uh, and also say that you can learn from year to year and you can grow from year to year and say, like, look, you know, I'm not going to do it this way again. I'm not going to listen to these people or I'm going to follow what I want to do. Or it could be just completely random. (laughs) That could also be it as well. That, look, if Lewis seen looked like an absolute monster, we would be talking about how genius it was. And was there not a good case for that guy becoming really good? Of course there was. Look at his physical ability. But yeah, I mean, it just couldn't be more stark uh, of what's happening right now with the 2022 versus 2023 draft class. And it's just, I I have always just b- believed that in draft randomness that, You just, you take the players that you think is right. And then whatever happens, happens and draft grades are never really right. So that kind of tells us that our immediate reactions don't usually play out. And, uh, but 2022, I think what makes 2022's draft class stand out is that we all question the trade down and now it's kind of blown up. We all question taking a guy with so many injuries in college that's blown up. We all questioned reaching out a guard that's blown up. And even the guy that everybody was on board with Brian Asamoah, a linebacker, that is not working out at the moment either, although that could be just because Ivan Pace has been so good. Uh, Brandel never played uh, uh, T. Kubler says, Brandel never played guard in college. Why switch him about three years into his NFL career? Because Blake Brandel is never going to be a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. So if you're not going to be a starter, it's good to have uh, the ability and experience of playing in multiple positions. Um, it was miserable tonight for sure. I, I didn't think it looked good at all for anybody, but at the same time, I support trying to make offensive linemen more multiple and that's okay with me. If that's what they decided to do with, uh, I, I'm not going to criticize the coaching staff for trying to create a more versatile player. The other thing is they just don't have a lot of guards. They, they, they really just don't have a lot of guards right now with Chris Reed out. And uh, I think Austin Schlotman would probably be the starting guard if there were an injury, but he had to play center. Um, let's see. Asamoah blowing up. That is a reach. Um, well, I don't know yet. Uh, I don't know if it's a reach or not. I mean, we'll see because he is, looks like he's lost his job to Ivan Pace Jr. as of right now. And if he's lost his job to Ivan Pace Jr., that's really not a great sign for him because he came in as somebody that was going to have that job. And even though Pace Jr. has been very good, uh, there also has to be another part of that, that if Asamoah was what we thought he was going to be this year, then we wouldn't be talking about Ivan Pace as anything more than a backup. And I haven't seen them play at all at the same time. It's been entirely uh, Jordan Hicks. So I guess uh, we made the right decision by going on the air a little early because as we speak, it's uh 24 to 13. Does anyone want to talk about Jaron Hall or would you just prefer not to? Uh, I don't have any major issue with how Jaron Hall looked because that's what I expected. That's the way that he's looked during practice for the most part, just hesitant, not really willing to like pull the trigger at the right times early in camp before the pads came on, he was hitting the back foot, letting the ball go, getting some nice completions, looking good. 
But once the pressure started, once the physicality started to step up and more got added to his plate, it's been kind of a rough go for him in training camp. That's what happens with fifth round rookie quarterbacks. And even if he's older, that he's never played in the NFL before. So it's not going to change it. It was not at all really the debut though. Um, that I think a lot of you were looking for a couple of sacks as we speak, six for 12, 37 yards. Didn't look all that good. Uh, that's why Nick Mullins is going to play a lot. Um, because Nick Mullins has to, uh, get these guys the football so they can evaluate what they have at wide receiver. And, and that's just the fact, like, that's why he's going to play. So, um, anyway, let's see, uh, <laughs> sorry, just getting a, a text from our, our friend, Jonathan Harrison. It is amazing how many of you are tuning into this, uh, at midnight to watch a preseason game reaction. So I really just want to stop and say how greatly and how deeply I appreciate everybody joining on here tonight and watching uh, this reaction. It's, it's just, it's, it's an honor to have you guys here and having this conversation. So I really appreciate it. Uh, let's see from ale is Hicks wearing the green dot during the regular season. Uh, they haven't announced who is the guy. If uh, you don't know what the green dot is, it's the guy who gets the calls in his headset calls out the defense. They haven't told us. I haven't asked, but I would assume that, that is the case that he's not going anywhere. He's going to be the guy because they have so many young defenders in that secondary. You need somebody like Jordan Hicks to get everybody just lined up. I mean, it's the same as we talk about with previous quarterbacks in the preseason and how someone needs to be able to get the offense lined up, just even start right there. And then you could start to execute things the defense is that way with a lot of young players as well. They need someone who's a veteran to bring them along, as, especially if it's a UDFA linebacker who is playing alongside Jordan Hicks, or even if Brian Asamoa does, you know, may have make a comeback in training camp. It wouldn't be shocking if that happened, uh, but whoever is playing next to Jordan Hicks has barely played any NFL football. Um, it is a discussion about how many linebackers they're going to keep and who's going to be here. It seems like Troy reader is getting a lot of run with the second team. He was out there with uh, Ivan pace early in the game. I would guess him. Troy die is a special teams guy. And it was brought up, and I, I think worth noting that Troy Dye wears gloves now. He didn't used to wear gloves. I don't know when that started. Now, I'm going to have to find out when he decided to start wearing gloves. Hunter says, I think Jaron Hall has a really good chance to develop into a backup who sticks around the league for a while. Any more than that would be quite surprising. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He can be a Nick Mullins type and maybe a little bit more, and that's about it. And I think we knew that when he was drafted in the fifth round. And that's probably why um, I've always kind of been against the, the idea of drafting a fifth round quarterback, because usually that's the ceiling is that they're going to be just the backup quarterback. And, you know, we get excited about it. We watch his college tape. We talk to his college coaches and everyone says this is the greatest guy of all time. And then you see it against NFL players and you go, Oh, I get it. Even when he's standing next to Kevin O'Connell and O'Connell is tall and we all look short next to Kevin O'Connell, including me. 
I'm 6'1". I'm short next to Kevin O'Connell. But you see that Jaron Hall is just not very big. And that's just going to limit him. I think his arm strength is going to limit him uh, at some point from growing. But I also agree with you that you get this experience. He now can go back, take a look at what happened in this game, and go forward, develop. And it's always interesting to see what the rookie looks like. So we'll see if there's progress from game one to game two. He does throw the ball well when he has a chance, but it seemed like it was just a little too fast for him tonight. So we'll go on from there. Uh, from Will, why was Kane considered in the race for uh, number two running back pre-injury when the coaches over the past two years have shown no faith in him and Chandler has looked good again this preseason? From the start, it looked like even of training camp that Kenny Wongwu was leading in the number two. He was getting more reps with the first group than Ty Chandler was. And I, I think that when Delvin Cook was the running back, nobody else was getting in the backfield. And that's just how it was. I even look at Alexander Madison. Look at games where Madison, who is now RB1, decidedly RB1. Look at games where he was available and Delvin Cook played. He never got in the game. I mean, three, four carries, absolute max, but there was never a rotation. I also think that you're right that they did not trust Kenny Wongwu. They also didn't show a lot of creativity considering how fast Kenny Wongwu is with the football. But I mean, I agree with you. It just, it looked like from the start that he was ahead of Ty Chandler and whether that was actually the case, I don't know, but just judging by the reps that they were getting. And it seemed from the coach's commentary, like they weren't really thrilled with the way that Chandler had picked up the offense so far, even over the last two years. So uh, I do think that, you know, Chandler was really good last year in preseason, but only had 15 carries last year, a couple of big ones. And you, you know, you're going to end up looking really, really good. Uh, but I, I like, I mean, I like him on the ground. I, I like his burst. I like how quick he is. And I like that, you know, the guy, slams into people when he gets a chance. It's just, I understand why there was talk about Kenny Wongwu as RB2, and he might have been the starter out there tonight if it weren't for the injury. But I think the injury is going to set him back so far that Ty Chandler will be RB2 uh, unless he comes back soon and then has a great preseason game and maybe something changes. But that is how it feels right now that he's going to be uh, RB2. Uh, from Sloth, uh, what to make of Lowe playing the entire game, getting him work, or still not sure if he could play? It's probably both. I would say it's both. With some of these guys, they just need football. And if they like somebody, they I mean, you can make an argument either way. If they like him, well, they're going to start him out there at left tackle, and they want to get him reps because guess who's not getting reps at left tackle when it comes to the regular season? Vidarian Lowe, that's who. And they drafted him, so they're probably interested in trying to develop him, and there's no better way than just playing him a whole preseason game. I don't see why not. Ole Udo had a tough game, I thought. Uh, I think I, that he had a pretty tough game tonight. Again, sometimes I got to go back and look and, and see, like, oh, maybe I missed who that pressure was on, but didn't look very comfortable at uh, right tackle. And we know in the past that he is pr a pretty good swing tackle. Just didn't feel like he was there tonight. Uh, from Eric, is there something going on with scenes technique as to why he's not wrapping up and going low on guys? Seems like he was tackling guys high and got trucked several times. 
I think that's a lot of things, man. I mean, th- this is the craziness of the NFL. So I was having a conversation with Chris Cooper the other day, uh, the Vikings offensive line coach. And he was telling me about certain techniques on the offensive line, where instead of having your hand at, at this angle, like pointing straight up, your hand needs to be at like a 45 degree angle to make this certain block. Like that's the level of detail, this many steps, this exact technique, they spend half the practice focusing on very specific techniques. And sometimes I make fun of it because they're out there tackling bags or playing patty cake with each other, but that's the level of detail of the NFL. So if you can't do that, or if you're not, uh, executing what they're asking you to do as far as technique goes, that's how you end up as safety number four. So I don't know for sure. I've never studied tackling technique, but to what you're saying, to my eye, he was playing very straight up and down, and it didn't look like he was getting very low, and it certainly did not look like he was rushing to the ball, like he was playing with any sort of real aggression outside of that first tackle. And even that was a high tackle. I thought it was sort of necessary uh, because of that. But, uh, you know, with Lewis scene, it just looks like there is a, uh, what do you call it? Where, where it's got a click there. There's like a delay where it's okay. The play is happening. And then oh, you're supposed to, you're supposed to, and you didn't quite do it fast enough. It's sort of like how Jaron Hall's looked playing quarterback where it's got to click. It's got, it's got to hit the back foot and something's happening and you got to get the ball out. It's the same thing with Lewis scene. And, you know, I think that there is something to be said for the injury, but it was really that way last year as well. And I think that's where the concern comes in is that maybe the brain is not clicking with the body to where he needs to be just by how the defense is designed or, or just to recognize things. I mean, if you're going to be a deep safety, which he was playing tonight and which he really is, you have to be able to recognize things very quickly and then bolt toward the football. And we just haven't seen that, Uh, that I don't want to completely count out that like, Oh, well, bad preseason game. It's over. But I just didn't love what I saw and we'll see how that progresses because maybe it could be just getting back from the injury, haven't hit people in quite a while, and then it'll start to you know go from there. But I think that what we've seen, the accumulation over the last two years and the beginning of training camp is I would expect him on special teams. Cam Bynum is going to start. Josh Metellus is going to be on the field a lot. And that's the story. And whether he can be the future safety, that I don't know. Uh, There hasn't been much sign of it yet. Uh, From Deontay, real question is, do we play Addison at all the rest of the preseason? LOL, I've seen enough. LOL, I've seen enough as well, Deontay. I feel the same way. There you go, folks. He can make a great catch out of bounds, and that's enough. Now, it really depends on how they feel. Because if they think, hey, he was not really in the right spots and he did make that great catch, but because they know the plays and we don't. So they can look at what happened on tape versus what was supposed to happen in the playbook and go, uh, Lewis, I know you may, or not Lewis, uh, Jordan, I know you made that play, but you're supposed to be actually on the other side or, Hey, the quarterback had to line you up on every snap and that can't happen. Or, They just wanted to get him a few looks on a real NFL field. He made some catches and then they'll put him in bubble wrap. We'll, we will learn which one of those two things it is based on whether he plays next time. Uh, But I, 
I definitely agree with you. I, I just think he's got too much talent and he's too important that there's no real reason to play Lewis scene anymore in this preseason, take him out, just, uh, go forward and, and let's see more Brandon Powell versus Jalen Rager. Who's with me? No. Okay. Well, maybe Tristan Jackson will come back. Maybe Jalen Naylor will come back and we'll actually get a little more of a receiver battle. Poor Thayer Thomas. I've been talking up Thayer Thomas on the show. Like, Hey, it looks pretty good in camp. He gets a punt his way. It hits him and turns into a fumble. Preseason football, everybody. Uh, from David, I also think that there were some young defensive backs down on the depth chart who played well. Yeah, Juwan Williams had a great pass breakup. Uh, we also have pretty decent O-line depth outside of the guard position-ish. Uh, ish. Yeah, the guard position is kind of important there, though, for the depth. But I understand what you're saying. Normally, Ole Udo doesn't look like that. I, I am totally comfortable with him having to start some games. Same with Blake Brandle if they have to. Definitely concerned about the interior with the depth. If somebody goes down, do they even have a backup right now who could play three games and you feel okay about, but I agree that the secondary uh, I thought had a, a pretty decent night outside of Andrew Booth jr. And uh, Makai Blackman, both giving up touchdowns. That was not great. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, Jalen Williams getting an interception, another undrafted guy, and you know, it wasn't a really great night for the Seattle passing game outside of a couple plays. So, I mean, you know, the Vikings, uh, by the way, if you were uh, just following along and having this conversation, the game is finally over. We did start before it was over and they lose. Oh, no. <laughs> I, you know, it's fun. I always like Mike Zimmer always wanted to play to win in those games and uh, in these preseason games. And I never really understood it. Like, it doesn't matter. One thing I did like is how much fun. Uh, Kevin O'Connell seemed to be having on the sideline. Hey, it's a preseason game. You should be talking with your players and having a good time and make it a fun little road trip. So that's what he should be doing. I always thought that it was just, everything was just so serious in the past. And in a preseason game, it really doesn't have to be that way. Uh, David says there were some plays tonight that I don't believe were scenes responsibilities. Uh, well, that's, I mean, you don't, or I don't know his responsibilities completely, but I do know if you're the deep safety and there's a, there's a guy in a deep cross, like you have to recognize that faster when that ball is coming out. I mean, he was just going all the way to the parking lot. He would have kept backpedaling until he just ran into his own car, got in it and drove back to Minnesota. He, you know, you need to be able to recognize route combinations at that position. Um, I think his first game back was not bad. Yeah. I, I looked at it a little differently. I just, I didn't view it as a major uh, statement from him that he's going to compete for a starting job. I just looked at it as, well, that's kind of what it's always looked like with Lewis scene. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's see. He could be a killer on special teams. Yeah. We'll see on that. Uh, Booth can't offer any of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Andrew Booth jr. Giving up that touchdown playing in the third and fourth quarter, not, uh, I don't know if he was in, in the fourth quarter, but third quarter, not good. For, for Andrew Booth Jr. I think they've made it very clear exactly where they stand on Andrew Booth Jr. And that is uh, not in a good place. That's that's where they stand. Uh, from uh, Lewis, Rager's route running definitely looked a lot smoother. It could be just running routes on backups. I mean, I, I don't really trust Jalen Rager as a wide receiver. I do think you can put the football in his hands and he can make some plays. but. Uh, 
I don't really trust him as much as I trust Powell as a route runner, but either one, you probably don't want those guys playing a whole lot of wide receiver. What you'd prefer is that Tristan Jackson gets healthy and that he plays wide receiver in a pinch as opposed to those guys, because I know, uh, Well, I guess, you know, Tristan Jackson played in the preseason last year. I know he didn't play tonight and I don't know how long he's going to be out, but he's a real receiver. Like he runs routes. He plays all the positions. He makes good catches. He tracks the ball. Well, I look at Powell and Rager as both really just punt returners who could play in a pinch. And I would trust Powell a little bit more in terms of the route tree and getting the details right with the quarterback than I would Rager based on Rager's history. But either one of them, if they're playing, then something has probably gone a little bit wrong. Um, From Aram, let's see, the game validated a lot why uh, y'all are reporting from, oh, what y'all are reporting from camp. That's why we go. Uh, Blackman looked a lot better and feistier than Booth. Yeah, that's the thing about Blackman. I know he had the bad play, but he he is a physical player. And you could tell for sure when the, the one route that went down the field and Drew Locke just airmailed it because he's Drew Locke. But you could see how physical he was even you know, running down the field. And he is good in man-to-man coverage, or at least that's his reputation. And I think that's what he's been during training camp is physical and good at tracking wide receivers. He's probably just a better prospect at this point than Andrew Booth Jr. Uh, Hunter, could Booth be a surprise cut? Yeah, it uh, could be. Uh, I just, I, I mean, when you see a guy playing, I'd be surprised because normally you're not going to cut a second round pick after one year, but if he can't play on special teams because he gets hurt on special teams like he did last year and he's injured all the time and they want to keep somebody else. Jalen Williams had an interception the other night too. Like maybe there's somebody else they want to keep and they just decide, you know what, this is over and and that's life. I would guess they keep him another year. It's better for your salary cap if you wait another year. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that probably they wait and keep him on the team, but I is not a guarantee after what we saw tonight uh, from Lewis. Do you think that McBride will get a heavier workload next week? Might depend on whether Kenny Wong Wu comes back. I think we're going to find out what they think of Dwayne McBride uh, as we go forward. Like, does he get more opportunity? I mean, he had six carries 15 yards tonight. So not much to write home about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could see him getting more opportunity, especially in the third preseason game where he could get like all the carries along with whoever the other running back is. I don't know if it's going to be Ibram Smith or not, but whoever it is that's playing alongside him, he'll at least in that third preseason game, get a lot of work, but, uh, you know, he's seventh round running backs. I like the pick. I have liked some of what I've seen from him in training camp, but even in a position that's usually pretty easy to come right in and play, he is coming a long way from UAB to the NFL might not really be ready to take on a whole lot. So they might want to keep it to third and fourth quarters, have the other guys play. If Wong Wu is back, then I still think there's legitimate competition for RB2 between Wong Wu and Ty Chandler, even though I also liked what I saw again from Ty Chandler tonight. Uh, Let's see. Rager seemed to be uh, better at getting separation than the other receivers battling for the number four spot, at least today. Yeah, I agree. He had a good night. He definitely had a good night. He is more talented. He is more physically gifted 
without question than pretty much everyone on the team, not named Justin Jefferson. So he has burst explosiveness. He should be able to get open. There's just this, there's just the, the same issue there is with a lot of players, but like he doesn't have the greatest hands. The contested catch ability is really not there. He can't really go deep and make plays on the football. And so he's, he's very limited as a wide receiver, which makes me wonder if with Brandon Powell, he could do a little bit more as far as the route tree. But Jalen Rager had a good night, no question. Uh, Juwan was looking like prime Xavier Rhodes there with that pass breakup. I think even though Juwan has lost those first team reps, that it's very possible that he is the backup for uh, like the, the, the first guy off the bench. And he could still, depending on how things go, he could still fight for a starting spot with Juwan Williams. It doesn't mean just because you gave up first team reps a few days into practice that you can't potentially win them back. Uh, is Brian Asamoah hurt? So the other night when they did a padless practice, Asamoah was just standing there holding his helmet. Uh, he had, well, they had shoulder pads and shorts. So he had like his shoulder pads on, but he wasn't doing anything. I, I don't know what that means. And we haven't gotten an update on it. Maybe at some point soon. Well, not maybe. I'm certainly uh, sure that we will get an update soon if Brian Asamoah is not playing. But at this point, I'm not really sure what happened there. It looks like it was probably just an injury. Um, let's see. Luigi Villain flashed quite a bit. He always does. It's remarkable. That guy goes out in preseason and just makes plays. And I don't know if he'll ever get a chance to rotate in or not, but uh, at least I think he's done enough to be a depth rusher on this team, unless they go out and get someone. But with Justin Houston off the board, it's pretty much Melvin Ingram is the only other free agent who could actually make a difference as a pass rusher. And there's been no word of any uh, interest. And I think after tonight where Patrick Jones and Luigi Valane were good, then they probably don't have to do that. Uh, where was Jaqueline and Roy? He is also hurt. So he wasn't playing tonight. Again, waiting to see, waiting to get an update from Kevin O'Connell about uh, what's going on there. From Sloth, Greg Joseph was perfect, although that 54-yarder yarder, uh, debated slicing wide right for a second there. They always look like that from the back, don't they? They always look like, oh, it's coming back. It's like uh, all of my golf shots, only instead it just keeps going, the golf shots. But, yeah, that was... Um, there was a little bit, a little bit wobbly, uh, but I still think that Greg Joseph is your kicker, but we'll see if Jack Pudlesny gets the next game. So Joseph got all the kicks tonight. We'll see if Pudlesny gets the next game and see if we go back and forth. Uh, from Arm here, the Andre Carter kid is massive and has no idea what he's doing. You're absolutely right. And it, that is a guy who just needs lots of preseason reps and we'll see if it ever becomes something. He is huge and he runs extremely well, but the, that one's going to take a lot of time. That's why I was interested to see him, but not judgmental. We're judging everybody on where they're at and their individual timelines and their draft status and what we expect from them. So we expect Andrew Booth Jr. to be farther ahead now than he is, but Andre Carter. He'll probably be doing the same thing next year where it's preseason action, not a whole lot else. And at some point you hope that he clicks and usually they don't, but if he does with that body, it's going to be something uh, from Ethan pace had an amazing game. He was everywhere. Ivan pace is what we talk about with Mr. Mankato. That's why it exists is because 
sometimes a guy that they sign, and I know there was a little buzz from the draft people, but undrafted free agent, he's this little guy. You walk into practice, you're like, no, come on, that guy, that guy's not a linebacker. He's a water boy. But and because he's so undersized for that position. And yet now you watch him play. And I called him Sonic the Hedgehog the other night. I'm going to stick with that for those of us who are at least in your 30s, maybe who played old school video games. He just hits people and chases people down and plays with a lot of edge and a lot of grit. And that stands out. That aggressiveness stands out. And uh, it seems clear that he has made an impression with Brian Flores. He got a ton of work tonight. And I thought he played very well. Uh, from Scott, it's very difficult to gauge running backs running behind an awful O-line. I agree. I thought that Ty Chandler played really well. And there were just a couple times where he got stuffed and there's nothing you could do. Uh, Hope McBride gets earlier carries next week. He definitely will, at least in the third preseason game. I'm sure of that. But uh, as far as next week, that might depend on where Kenny Wongwu stands. And also, I think that everybody's competing for something different when they play in these games, like Ed Ingram would be competing to show he shouldn't be playing. And Ty Chandler should be competing to show that he deserves to play a little bit alongside of Alexander Madison. And then there's other guys who are trying to compete to make the team. I mean, it's not a sure thing. Dwayne McBride makes the team. They could get somebody else if they're not pleased with him. So he's fighting to make the team. So you have all these different battles that are going on uh, throughout a preseason game that made this one pretty interesting. Jaron Hall's trying to battle to actually throw the ball to someone. I'm, I'm sorry. Ah, that's the, too much, too much. He, it's a, he's a rookie. That's how it's going to be. Uh, Arm says, I, I was encouraged by Pace, Blackman, Villain, Chandler, and Powell. Put Addison in bubble wrap until after Labor Day. Yeah. No, I... I agree with all of that, except for, you know, I think Blackman had a little more of an up and down with that uh, touchdown. It was not only a touchdown, but also a penalty. And that's the thing I think he has to worry about a lot is he is physical, but there's also penalties that go along with that. So maybe an up and down night for him. But uh, definitely, I think that a lot of guys in the first team played well that are backups. So really the second team, this, the people who played at the beginning. I thought there was a lot of good performances there. And then as it went along, whatever, it doesn't really matter the results after that. Uh, but a, a fun night to have football back. And I am in complete disbelief that so many of you decided to tune in tonight. And I cannot thank you enough for doing that. So thank you so much. And we'll continue our weekly, uh, let's see, every weekday, every night, whatever we're doing here. Uh, are we doing tomorrow night? Sure, let's do tomorrow night. Right here on the channel, 8 o'clock instead of midnight, maybe. Uh, I got to finish up my article, Sleepy Football. So anyway, uh, well, great stuff, guys. Thank you so much for the really fun chat. Thank you so much for all of you who tuned in to watch. And we're going to have another preseason game coming up very soon. A very exciting week of practice. The Titans? Was that happening? Coming to town? So, um Let's see. Anyway, over under one, over under eight and a half wins. I'm still, I'm going over just by a little, but uh, I wasn't changed by tonight. Um, sorry, trying to answer a few more of these questions. Was them not challenging the Addison catch a mistake or, well, yeah, it's just, let's get on with the preseason. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Um, what were my thoughts on Najee Thompson? I think that he could be the Dan Chisena. Sometimes a guy makes the team 
by being a great special teamer who puts his whole heart into it. That looks like that guy. So anyway, all right. Good night. Football. We'll talk eight o'clock tomorrow night right here on the channel. Thank you so much for all of you watching.